We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and usually joining me on today's podcast would be Kent Sterling, but... With the Indy 500 being run today, Ken is out celebrating and watching the race, so I'm going to be joined by basketball insider and guru Tyler Smith from Indy Sports Legends. Tyler, what's going on, man? How's it going, Alex? Good to be here. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, me and Tyler have gone live a little bit before some of the games in this series, and um, you know, it's uh, it's been a rough series. So the Pacers fall down three games to none after a 124 to 115 loss to Miami, and um, you know, Tyler, what were your overall thoughts um, just from this whole entire game? I mean, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, you know, Coach McMillan's been talking about 48 minutes uh, over and over, and they, they just can't seem to put it together. I mean, you know, on, on one side of things, it's like, hey, they finally figured some things out in the second half, so you wonder if that can carry over to game four or if it's too little too late like it was in game three. Yeah, and, and I and I want to emphasize this. It was really frustrating. I mean, you give up 74 points, I believe it was, in the first half, and it was not it was not the Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo's that were killing you in that first half. It was the once again Dragic Robinson and Hero Trio. I think combined they had over 40 points in the first half together. So it was just you know really bad defense by the Pacers. I'm not really sure how how it took them till the third quarter to wake up, but. It definitely looked like in that first half, Tyler, that Miami was a team down 0-2. Yeah, they've been the aggressors the entire time. I mean, they've won most of the quarters. They uh, they can turn it on, it seems like, at any moment. And I even wondered after game one if they would kind of back off a little bit in game two because, you know, you see that sometimes even at the professional level uh, when it's not really a must-win game. Sometimes teams kind of back off. They have kept their foot on the gas the entire time. I expect them to do the same thing on Monday. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like this, you know, and how much will the Pacers really have to play for knowing they're down three games to none? And we talked about this yesterday going live, and you brought the question up, do you play Oladipo in this game um, since we're down 3-0? Yeah, I would. I mean, when it when they were down 2-0 and I thought about, okay, if they lose game three, I would at least consider it. I never really decided on, you know, I would definitely, you know, sit him out. Um, but I, I do know that one of the goals of this entire bubble experience is to, you know, make it out alive, make sure they're uh, healthy and ready to go for next season. Um, but I think the way they played in that second half, uh, it wouldn't be a good look if he sat out. 
Um, and so I think, you know, he should play, everybody should play and give it their best shot and, you know, see if they can at least get one win in there. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to see him try to get a win just because it's really frustrating to watch a team for an entire season and then watch them just kind of flail out in the playoffs. But, you know, I really like the way they played in that third quarter. They looked so much better and they were attacking differently. Their offense was moving. They're a lot more active on defense. It's just frustrating that it took 24 minutes of getting completely killed for them to wake up and realize, hey, you know, we got we got to step things up. I mean, offensively, their offense wasn't even that bad in the first half. It was just their defense. I mean, you give up 74 points, you give up a 40-point quarter in the second quarter. I mean, what do you expect to happen? You're not going to come back and win from that. I mean, if you get close, you're using all that energy just to try to claw back into it. So I was just very disappointed with how the Pacers came out defensively. How I mean, how they allowed the same three guys to continue to beat them. You know, the, the foul discrepancy was something that obviously Nate McMillan noted, and he seemed very irritated, Tyler, um, with the amount of foul calls uh, that Miami got compared to the Pacers, uh, 52 to 28 in attempts for free throws. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where when I look at this game, you know, Miami out-rebounded us. They The first half, they were lights out from three. The Pacers ended up coming back and making that a little bit closer uh, throughout the game. But I just thought, you know, for, you know, when, when the, when, you know, it was time for the Pacers to really put their pe- uh, pedal to the metal. They didn't, and it was l- too little too late. Yeah, and that's the fear that you had for, you know, for uh, game three is, uh, you know, with the Pacers season on the line, you expected a better effort. And, you know, sometimes a team is just better than you and sometimes they just are making their shots. But, you know, it, it a lot of times on the defensive end, it is about effort. And, you know, it was uh, disappointing, I think, is an understatement to see how the, how flat the Pacers came out. And, you know, you've got four guys from Miami scoring over 20 in that game. Um, it's it's crazy. I'm looking at the box score. It's crazy when you see that they were actually pretty dead even on threes for the game. Yeah, you know, thirteen of thirteen of thirty three versus twelve of thirty three. But you mentioned the free throw discrepancy. Um, you know, in the Pacers, they they were twenty one of twenty eight, which is not horrible. You want to be you know a little higher percentage, but giving up fifty two free throws and just again the, the hole they dug themselves in is it's tough when you know again your season's on the line and you expected more in those moments. Absolutely, and you know what's funny is the Nate McMillan did make a lineup change here, made an adjustment, went ahead and uh, inserted Justin Holiday into the starting lineup, and in 32 minutes, he was a plus five. Uh, the only player on this starting in this entire uh, on the entire roster to have a plus positive uh, when you look at the box score plus minus, which means that Miami, you know, didn't really dominate when he was on the floor. So. I think that it was smart to put him on um, Duncan Robinson to start the game out with. I know he didn't guard him every single possession because switches and, you know, them cross-matching, stuff like that. So it, it's not like he's going to be able to get on him every every second. But I, I think that the biggest adjustment I would make to this game uh, for game four is once again tightening up that bench rotation because our bench uh, has been pretty abysmal this entire series. Yeah, and you and I had talked about this on the live stream. There were still, I mean, it wasn't a, a ton of time, but there were still some minutes in that game where Oladipo, Brogdon, and Warren were all on the bench. I mean, it wasn't as long as the previous two games, but I, I just don't understand why 
that's the case for any amount of time in this game. You could absolutely still shrink your rotation, but allow you know one of your three main playmakers on the court at all times. And uh, it, it's going to be tough because there was a you know Quinn Buckner was mentioning this. There was you know three or four guys playing major minutes. There's only one day off, um, but you know they they've got you know nothing to lose, everything to play for here. Uh, with just one day off, but you got to shrink the rotation and uh, you got to have one of those guys on the court at all times. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't even care about how many minutes they play and you know, the, the limited amount of rest. The thing is these are professional athletes and they're probably in some of the best shape out of anybody in the entire universe playing basketball. So sure. They're going to need their rest, but Hey, they got to go out there and they've got to give it all they got. And, you know, I, I really think that, um, moving Aaron to the bench made a lot of sense. Aaron struggled a little bit defensively. Well, a lot of bit, really. I mean, offensively, he had a couple nice moves. He was four or five from the field. So if you look at his box score, you're like, oh, he wasn't that bad. But, you know, he got himself in some bad situation, fouling some shooters, getting in quick foul trouble. Uh, Jakar Sampson was not very effective yesterday, only two points and uh, just three rebounds. McConnell only played five minutes. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much, hey, we're going to shorten this to eight eight-man rotation in the second half and McDermott had 16 minutes and he had a layup once again no three-point attempts fall for him out of the two that he took so honestly I'm not really sure why Edmund Sumner has not been given a chance to try and go out there and guard a guy like Duncan Robinson just to mess with him he's got the length and he's got the height Um, to me personally I think that McConnell and McDermott have to uh, not play next game except maybe five seven minutes in the first half if they if they want to try to play it that way but um i think that you got to go with a a, a three-man rotation off the bench of aaron holiday jakar sampson and edmund sumner what about you tyler yeah i would like sumner to play you know when mcmillan was originally talking about him playing you know i was immediately skeptical because i've been there you know I've, i've seen that heard that i guess i should say uh where you know a guy is talked about and then he doesn't actually maybe he gets a little bit of a chance and if he doesn't play well right off the bat then he you know, sits on the end of the bench. And I know Pacers Twitter is kind of a split on Sumner. There's some people saying he's, he's not very good and you got to shrink the rotation. There's others that understand what his length and speed can do against Miami. So I would absolutely give him a shot. You got to try something. Um, McDermott, it, it would be tough for me to sit him completely. Um, but I feel like if he gets in and, and if you're not, you know, if he's not contributing threes and you're not getting him open looks, then, um, it's a little bit more useless <laughs> than before. So, um, but yeah. you maybe give him a chance and give him a couple three looks, and if he misses both, and uh, maybe you sit him for the rest of the game. But it's tough because you know he's a guy that can get hot as well. So um, you know, it's I, I've heard some uh, some people talking about how good and how how nice it must be to have a Robinson on your team, and and I'm thinking, well, the Pacers are supposed to. They're supposed to have a guy that uh, you know. I think it's a, a combination of things. I don't know. You know, want to hear your thoughts on this? If it's combination of of him not stepping up in these moments but also not being used as well as he was at times in the regular season oh yeah I mean I definitely think it's a lot of that um offense is just a lot different I think Duncan Robinson as much as we like to abuse him on defense he might be a better defender than Doug McDermott I don't know McDermott is such a bad defender um when he's out there I mean if he's not hitting threes he's such a defensive liability that's why I'm almost to the point where I'm just like I don't even trust him at this point, you know, uh, Aaron Holiday has been a more efficient three-point shooter in the playoffs than Doug McDermott. And, you know, maybe they, they tried, I think, a little bit in game two to 
play McDermott with the four starters in for Aaron, and he still did not really get any good looks. So um, I definitely think what the Pacers are lacking is um, versatility on offense. We have guys that can get to the basket, but there's zero player on that on that starting lineup that can get in the post and do any work, um, any low post presence. And we and we talk about this a lot: the in and out game, the the high low game. I mean, when you don't have somebody that can go out there and get you a bucket in the low post, you know, it makes it really easy to kind of settle in on your defense. So that's that's my biggest complaint, um, or not really complaint, but I guess it's my biggest observation. With this team, it's like uh, it's it's really easy to kind of predict what they're doing. I think they did a much better job in the second half of trying to attack those mismatches, and I, I like how they were trying to move the ball with a little bit of a weave. Now I noticed Miami was you know changing everything. They had Andre Iguodala up there at the top of the key, some in that zone um, when they were just switching everything. But I definitely think it's smart to try and attack that. But you know um, you just got to be efficient. I thought Malcolm Brogdon was fantastic yesterday, Tyler. Um, really, really showed why the Pacers went out and paid as much money as they did for him. Yeah, he was great. He was a, he was a monster. Um, I think he's fully capable of, um, you know, not those numbers every game, but he's capable of, of uh, when his team needs him to step up to do so. But Pacers really, really miss a bonus in this. And, you know, what's interesting is when the Pacers were playing faster without him and you know how, you know, a lot of people were, were noticing that and thinking like, Hey, this is what it's like to play fast. Um, I do think there's a lot of truth in, you know, the, you know, next season, the Pacers need to find a way to play faster and to play more modern style. However, you can see in this series, they'd actually benefit from slowing it down. They would benefit from, you know, feeding Sabonis and, uh, you know, playing through him and, um, not only that, but you slow the game down. You know, if you take most of the shot clock and then get a good uh, bucket down low, you know, you slow Miami's offense down. So yeah. um, the Pacers miss his his passing, his screening, and just the chance to slow it down. You know, his rebounding. Just he he's he is extremely missed. I don't know if uh, if they would win the series or even win you know more games than what they're going to yeah. with him. Yeah. But uh, you know, they definitely miss him. No, for sure. And I mean, it's not even something where you have to knock Miles for it. Uh, when you say you miss him, just it's because Miles is not a low post threat. And I believe it was like you saw it when Bam Adebayo got the two offensive rebounds in the same possession when the Pacers were down by just two with like two or three minutes left in the game, you know, really trying to get a defensive stop. And they and they got the stop, but they couldn't get the board. And I believe Miles got switched out to guarding one of the perimeter players. So he wasn't even in the paint trying to fight Bam. So it was a collective group of guards and wing players trying to get down there. And uh, Bam was just too big. And I think that that's where you miss Sabonis is on the glass as well. I mean, I definitely agree that they miss him offensively. They miss his ability to get in the post. And, you know, he would definitely make them pay for those mismatches if uh, those, you know, wings and guards switched on to him. When he goes and sets a screen, I think him and Brogdon would have been really lethal in the pick and roll. And I think that one thing Sabonis would have done a great job at is, you know, putting the pressure on Miami's defense. And then once they go over to help hitting the wide open shooter in the corner, um, I, I do believe Miles had a really nice pass. I might have been to an Aaron Holiday three. Um, I can't remember, but he had a really nice skip pass um, when, the, when they double teamed him. So I just, I just think there's different elements that we do miss with Sabonis and. You know, Brogdon last night, 11 of 17, uh, hit all of his free throws, 8 of 8, 7 rebounds, 14 assists, 2 steals. Sure, he had 5 turnovers and 5 fouls, but I live with 5 turnovers in 43 minutes. I mean, 
you're going to have mishaps. And he had 34 points. I mean, I thought he played really well. And I tweeted this, Tyler, and I'm curious your thoughts. I said Malcolm Brogdon proved today why he would be a great second option. And um, it was funny because people started saying, well, who's number one? And I said, well, we don't have a number one option. So um, that's not trying to knock anybody on this team. I just think we're missing that true number one player. Yeah, especially because, you know, Oladipo is just not what he was two years ago. And, you know, I'm still a believer that he will eventually get back to that. Um, you know, and it could be next season, obviously uh, a contract year, much more time off, a uh, chance to, you know, build up strength and get his confidence back. You know, we see glimpses of his explosion and, and quickness. Obviously it's, uh, it's still lacking quite a bit. Um, just like the, the video that you shared mm-hmm. with the dunk and, and the layup. Um, I think though that I, I, I absolutely agree that I think I'll throw TJ Warren in this as well. I think yeah. Warren and Brogdon both would be really, really good second and third options. And, and maybe if one of them's off, maybe Brogdon's more facilitating. And, you know, if Oladipo was ever back to his normal self, and then you got, you know, multiple options, you got Sabonis down low, things are just really click. And it, it, it kind of just makes you, <laughs> makes you sad and, and makes you just think, man, what could be, what, what could it have been if this team could ever get healthy? And I'm not just talking about Sabonis here. I'm talking about, you know, what could this team do, um, even with their offensive, uh, you know, inefficiencies, I guess. Um, yeah. What could they do if they were fully healthy? And I hope the next season's the time that we find out. Well, and here's the thing. Like, that's a great point. Like, it's it's not a knock to call somebody a number two option. I mean, I think the Pacers have about three number two options between Sabonis, Brogdon, and Warren. So can three number twos make a number one? Unfortunately, in the NBA, I don't think so. Um, because it's a player's league and you need a guy just to dominate and take over a game and they might be able to take over in moments but I mean I'm talking a full game here and you know we if we if we have Vic from 2017-2018 on this roster it opens up things for everybody um you know TJ Warren has become one of the primary uh you know focal points for Miami's defense so I mean he, every look he's getting it's you know it's tough for him he actually Got to the free throw line seven times yesterday, went seven of seven. So it was great to see that from him as he continues to evolve his game. But, you know, if you have the, if Victor is the guy, you know, that puts all the pressure on Vic. And Miami's defense will, you know, shift their focus to Vic, which would allow guys like Sabonis, Brogdon, and Warren to cook. And that's just the biggest problem here. It's like, um, you know, it's frustrating because you think that this team has a lot of potential and we just have never got to see it. So, while we're probably, you know, in a, you know, going to get swept, I mean, that would be the pr- prediction for most people. I mean, you played this team six times when it actually mattered and you've lost all six games. You know, they figured something out in that second half, but still it wasn't enough. Maybe they, you know, get a victory here in game four and, you know, have a gentleman sweep in five. But it's just one of those things, Tyler, where I, I look at this team, I see the potential, um, and I see the future of this team as, you know, being pretty good. But, we need that number one guy, and if Vic never gets back to that, they've got to figure something out. Yeah, the the thing that I I think about, I know it was really rare, but way back in the day, uh, of course, it's fresh in our minds because it was against the Pacers. But you look at that Pistons team that that won without that you know guy to take over completely, because even uh, Rip Hamilton would you know come off screens and was more of a shooter. Um, but they just had a really balanced attack. You know, you look at. Uh, the Toronto Raptors right now, they have a lot of studs, but it's still not like, 
you know, you don't think of them as, you know, having a, a superstar guy that, um, that they have to have carry them. You know, they have a real shot. Once again, I was looking at their stats and they have, you know, averaging 15, 19, 16, 23, uh, 17.6. I mean, just so many options and they're very well coached. So again, it, it's like, I know it's, it's a risky thing. It's a scary thing to think about putting all your eggs in one basket of, you know, hoping Oladipo becomes himself. But it's almost like, like I don't know what what the Pacers would be able to do unless somebody offers something great for Miles Turner. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like you know if if they had everybody together and everything clicked, I do think this this very roster with a healthy Vic could be extremely dangerous. I don't know if they could win the East, but I, I do think it's a team nobody would want to face. And we've seen, you know, it's it's not very often, but you see times when a team can have success without that superstar player. Um, yeah. But really, you know, if the Pacers could just get not superstar but all-star Oladipo of two years ago, um, they would be really, really good. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I, I think Kevin Pritchard envisioned, you know, having this roster to play around Vic um, at his, you know, old self. And I think fans, you know, because of the bubble – and because of the long layover, we kind of forget, oh, you know, Vic had a, you know, a really scary injury. The, the quad is a big deal. And I and I know it was funny because some people replied to that video that I posted. I, I just showed, like, where Vic had a huge fast break opportunity and he just kind of softly laid it up and barely got off the ground. And then, you know, two years ago, he did a backwards reverse dunk. So it's um it just shows the different spry that he has in his game right now. And some people said, well, there was no fans to try to energize them. Like, that's not even a fan thing. That's just an athletic thing. And it, it's it's frustrating to see fans get mad at Vic because he apparently left the bench to go use the restroom with, like, 20 seconds left and then came back. And everyone's trying to make that a story, right? Everybody thinks he's on his way out and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I'm not really sure what I think Vic's going to do. I mean, I know he's going to be here next year. I don't envision the Pacers trading him. If the Pacers make any move this offseason, in my opinion, it'll be Miles Turner on his way out. And that would probably be the only major move I see them making. But I could also see them saying, let's run it back. Let's not make any drastic changes. Um, let's try to keep this team intact chemistry-wise and see if we believe in this team as much as, uh, you know, if this team is as good as we believe they can be. Yeah, there's a few things that have kind of floated around from fans that I really I don't understand. You know, I get the frustration of of, of losing in the playoffs, and you know, Oladipo has not been great, obviously. But it's like, like man, usually for a lot of major injuries, it's the second year that they come back that they're you know a, a, you know more resembling of who they used to you know be and how they used to play. So let's give him that, you know. And and I, I can't believe how many people online. Uh, think that Oladipo is a free agent. He is not a free agent. He is signed <laughs> through next year, and it makes complete sense for both him and the Pacers to wait and see if he can be healthy. I mean, he wants to obviously make max, or you know, wants to make a huge contract. The Pacers, I think, would be willing to give him that if he showed that he was healthy. Um, so it, it makes sense for both of them to wait and, and see, and uh, again, how the roster is is kind of uh, shaping up. Um, I agree with you that Turner would be the the big move if they were to make one. I also, the other thing I don't understand is the people saying, blow the team completely up. Um, 
Now, again, you, you, you can only go so far with the, the injuries excuse if yeah. it's just a first-round bounce every year, especially if it's a sweep every year. But at the same time, look at this roster. What exactly would you think they could do that would make them better in the future? You know, that they have too many good players, way too many good players to tank and get a top pick. So maybe maybe you trade one guy and get a higher pick, but you're not going to blow up the rest of the team. This is a this is a pretty young team, and when Justin Holiday is the old guy at what, 30 years old, right? Like the Kevin Pritchard's vision last year when when putting this team together. Um, was to have a, a core group of guys who are pretty young that could grow together. I mean, Rogman's young, Warren's young, Oladipo is not young, but he's not old. Um, obviously, Sabonis and Turner are young. Holiday, there's like a lot of young guys here. You do not blow up this team. You just try to find some possible way uh, to get over the hump and you know, with the core kind of intact. Well, and if you look at the 15-man rotation or the 15-man roster they have, seven of those guys are new this year. So it's like you already kind of did overhaul the roster. Um, the only ones that are really hangovers are uh, Turner Oladipo, um, McDermott, Aaron Holiday, and uh, Sabonis. So those are your major five that are really in the rotation out of the uh, out of the ten guys that were playing all year long. I mean, Goga was a new addition. He didn't play a whole lot. But Leaf, Alza, Johnson, Sumner, they didn't really get much playing time this year, and they were part of that core. So, I mean – I don't understand the whole blow it up either. I understand why you can get frustrated with certain ways that they play. Like I thought Brogdon was kind of frustrating a little bit to watch on uh, in, in game two, you know, TJ Warren has, you know, done okay, but I mean, you know, you feel like he could be better, but at the same time, and the dude had five steals, 23 points, six rebounds, eight, uh, seven and a seven from the field. So it's like, you look at what he's doing. And I mean, this is his first real opportunity to be in the playoffs you know he's doing this all on the fly, trying to figure things out. Being the you know being Miami's focal point on defense, putting Jimmy Butler on him. So, I mean, I I, I think T.J. Warren is only going to get better from this, so he can learn different things he needs to work on. Same with Brogdon. You know, I I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Oladipo, if he returns back to form, then you know this team is a real scary team. But at the same time, you know, if he doesn't return to form then where do you go from there? Because do you think a team full of four or five guys at the number two, number three option can really win a lot of playoff series for you? Maybe so, but, you know, most of the time when you see teams succeed, it's because they are so well-rounded, well, so well-coached, and they have at least one guy that they go to late in games, and I don't even know if the Pacers know who that guy is right now, number one, and I don't know if they have the right coach in place to do that. Yeah, that's something we've been talking about a lot, you know, especially the last couple of weeks with the extension and everything. But uh, I, I guess I should add a third thing that I don't understand from fans, and it's fans that say that you know Kevin Pritchard, you know, the Pacers don't want to win. They're they're happy with you know being mediocre. Um, I do believe some of that to be true with uh, the Simons when it comes to spending in the past, but Kevin Pritchard wants to win, and I feel like if there's no move made this offseason, it's not for lack of trying. Um, he's probably going to you know, dangle some names and see what do you give me, and then he's got to weigh that decision. Is this worth this change? Does this give us a better chance, or are we better served, like you said, running it back with the same group, hopefully healthy, you know, a year later, um, a team that can be dangerous? And, and honestly, do you owe it to the team and the fans to see what this group can do instead of having so much roster turnover all the time? Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. It's, you know... Roster turnover is, is, you know, great for off-season content because we could have talked about it. But, 
you know, the only priority I think the Pacers really should have this offseason is, well, there's three things that I want to see them do, and I know this is a little bit premature for an offseason podcast. I'll just say it real quick. A, you hit the nail on the head. You wrote an article about it for Indy Sports Legends. they got to hire an offensive-minded assistant if they're going to keep McMillan. Uh, number two, I think they need to re-sign Justin Holiday, And three, they need to explore uh, any opportunity to, you know, upgrade the roster. And if that involves Turner, I think that, you know, you have to consider it, you know, because if, if it's me, obviously I'm picking some bonus between the two just because I think he makes them more versatile. But I don't, I don't think Miles has played bad in this series. I, I think Miles actually the last two games has been pretty, pretty solid in that number five position. Yeah, he played pretty well uh, last game. There's just there's just so many moments for him that where he just kind of disappears. Yeah, um, you know, the, my biggest fear with him always is that he's going to go somewhere else and then explode, and then we're just going to be like, yeah, coaching was part of it or whatever. But um, I, I I wish that this year that Goga um, developed more and and you know more quickly because um, I said in, in in the off season that after they drafted him, if he could prove that he was. Uh, you know, a solid backup center who could protect the rim, you know, then it makes even more sense to keep Sabonis and trade Turner. Um, you know what the Pacers need? They need uh, Jan Mahimi to go back in time and to, uh, <laughs> or, or maybe, you know, find the next Jan Mahimi. And, and, and some fans may think, you know, why? Why is a backup center such a big deal? But imagine if they had a prime Mahimi type player to come off the bench or, or to play in those matchups where you really need some toughness and, um, you know, some protecting the rim down low. Um, and then you could you could you know manage having uh, a Sabonis at five and and Warren at four and um, bring him in for some toughness. But it's going to be interesting to see interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think he's definitely the guy that they'll look at. I know a lot of fans want all three holidays. They want to trade Turner for Drew, and you know would be interesting. But um, I think Pritchard's at least going to at least going to look, and, and we're going to find out here pretty soon because this mini off season is probably going to happen in less than two months. Yeah. And I'm not opposed to the, the, uh, all, all three holiday brother, uh, uh, tandem here. I think that'd be a fun little trio. And I think drew would actually make a lot of sense because of his ability to play defense, um, at a high level, one of the better on ball defenders in the entire NBA. He, he likes to play off ball. So, so he won't be pressuring Brogdon for, you know, the starting point guard position. So you can just play him as a wing, but I think it also allows you to, Come playoff time, you can definitely feel better about, you know, staggering your lineups. Because if you have Drew, Victor, TJ, and Malcolm, if you have two of those four on the floor at all time, I mean, you probably feel a lot better about it. And then Sabonis, in his own sense, in his own way, is a, is a pretty good, you know, decision maker and playmaker as well. So, yeah, I like the idea of that. It does make them a little bit small, and you might want to be a little bit bigger. But there's definitely some truth in, um, you know, wanting to – be a little bit more of a modern offense, modern style of team. And, you know, I've seen some takes where people want to see Sabonis go to the bench. Um, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't I don't understand that logic at all. It's like you're not going to take a starter and put him on the bench and then get mad and say, well, he's being selfish. Well, no. When you're an all-star level player, you don't just go to the bench because you make the bench better. No. You just get more minutes and play with the bench like you have been. So, you know, as far as the whole entire series goes, though, I mean, we, we pretty much – you know, thought Miami was going to win this going into it. We were trying to be optimistic. Maybe the Pacers could get a couple games, but Miami's just the better team. They're fully healthy. They've been dominant um, against the Pacers all series, all season long. The Pacers have really never come up with the right answer for them. And 
I'm just I'm just hoping they don't get completely swept uh, <laughs> in Monday. I want to see this team come out and play with pride, Tyler, and play a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, and a little bit more energy. I agree. You know, Oladipo said something at the end of Game 3 that I hope they can carry into Game 4. Uh, he said that at halftime – uh, they had to decide, are we going to get embarrassed or we're going to go out with nothing to lose and, and compete our butts off. So I hope that that's the mentality they have, you know, from the tip of game four. Um, and, and it's really hard to do. You know, I've it's I think for fans, it'd be easy to say, hey, let's not get embarrassed. You know, let's not get embarrassed and get swept. Let's go out there and win a game. But it is hard to have, you know, the same kind of motivation when in the back of your mind, you're like, there's no chance we're winning the series. So. You know, let's just kind of, you know, go through the motions here. But hopefully they do have that sense of pride. Um, hopefully they, you know, it's just a bad look to say, you know, you get swept so many different times. Um, and, and obviously if they win a game, uh, you know, they highly unlikely that they would win a second game. But at least you have that opportunity. And as fans, you know, you want to be entertained. You want more to talk about. You want to prolong the season as long as you can. So let's see them go out, show some pride. It's finally a night game. No more day games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe that'll help a later start, um, and hopefully they can get a win and, and make things at least a little bit interesting. Yeah, maybe the late later start might give the Pacers an opportunity to wake up um, be, before the second half starts. So um, I'm not going to predict a, a Pacers win here because I've predicted a Pacers win or you know thought they could win um, the last – three games and uh we saw how good those predictions were so uh charles barkley with the the guaranteed curse of death yesterday um <laughs> but you know uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's been frustrating i understand and i know that we want this team just to succeed but i also think if you're a pacer fan if you just take a step back look at where you are compared to where miami is and you know i understand we finished one game ahead of them in the regular season but this team is better than us right now. Let's get healthy. Let's come back next year. We don't know when the NBA season will resume next year, so that's going to give us plenty of time to get these guys rested. Um, it's a benefit because Jeremy Lamb will be able to come back more than likely semi-earlier. Uh, now, his injury was pretty catastrophic as well, so we'll see how he looks. But I definitely think the Pacers team, this Pacers team has a plenty of potential to grow and become a better team. It's just... They might need some different changes um, within the organization as far as the head coach, coaching staff, and I think that there may be one or two moves away from really, you know, completing this roster to be a uh, a real serious threat. But I got laughed at all year, but I uh, had so many trades off season where I was trying to flip McDermott to the Grizzlies for uh, Jay Crowder, and now look at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. I think. Uh... You know, as as fans get really frustrated whenever this ends, whether it's Monday, Wednesday, or whenever, um, you know, it's it's natural to uh, to get upset and to think, you know, same old, same old every year. Um, the the one bright thing is there is a good young core here, and I do think, even though we don't know for sure when next season starts, I do think it's going to be uh, fairly quick. So you're, if you're looking at around Christmas time or maybe first of the year. Um, there, there won't be a ton of time uh, before uh, moves and the draft and, uh, you know, free agency kicks in. That's when things get exciting. And, you know, it'll be here before you know it. So don't have too long to sulk. Uh, good young core here. Hopefully they make the couple right moves and they can be right back in the mix next season. Absolutely. Let's just enjoy game four. No expectations. No, uh, well, the Pacers can win this series. Let's just see if these guys can compete. 
find something and play with some heart. I'd be okay with that, whether they win or lose. And, uh, you know, Tyler, it's been fun talking, man. We haven't done a podcast together in a while. We've done some live stuff, but, uh, to do a podcast is fun again. And, um, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm going to hate to say it, but I'll be really sad when the, when the season is over and there is no more basketball to watch. Yep, I agree. And I'll tell you what, though, if the Pacers win game four, then maybe we should do another show uh, before maybe we're the good luck charm. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right, everybody, you can find Tyler Smith on Twitter at Tyler Smith underscore ISL. I'm an Alex Golden NBA, and until next time, we will talk to you all later. Peace out, Pacer Nation.